0: And BuzzFeed Daily listeners can receive 65% off your first month of medication management and care counseling at Cerebral.com slash BuzzFeed. Go to Cerebral.com slash BuzzFeed for 65% off your first month. Join Cerebral today on their mission to make quality mental health care accessible and affordable for all.
1: Rafi is the voice of some of the happiest songs of our generation. Baby Baby balloon. balloon. So, who is the man behind Baby Beluga? Every human being wants to feel respected. When we start with young children, all good things can grow from there. I'm Chris Garcia, comedian, new dad, and host of Finding Rafi, a new podcast from iHeartRadio and Fatherly. Listen every Tuesday on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts.
2: Ah!
0: addison ray says she was fired from a ufc job after receiving major backlash to her tweet announcing the role prince william has some strong words for people hurling racist abuse at members of england's national soccer team following euro 2020 and buzzfeed contributor evie carrick joins us to talk money and relationships and how learning to manage one may save the other it's july 12th 2021 Hey, friends,
3: I'm Casey Rackham. And I'm Shyla Watson. Welcome to BuzzFeed Daily.
0: Well, Shyla, it happened after a year and a half. I caught a non COVID cold. Only you, Casey. How did this happen? <laughs> I don't know because I got to be real. I still wear my mask in indoor spaces and most public spaces where there's a lot of people. So it slipped through. My immune system's not that great. And let me tell you, I did not handle this sickness gracefully. <laughs> So so what do you have exactly? Um, well, if I was self-diagnosing, I'd probably go with bronchitis based on nothing except it sounds kind of like that. And also apparently bronchitis is going around Los Angeles. Oh, gosh. I
3: guess I'm going to have even more of a reason to stay inside then. <laughs> yes, exactly. You'll never leave your home again. <laughs> never. So first up today, TikTok star Addison Rae just shook up social media with news that she will no longer appear as a UFC correspondent. Now, this comes after her tweet announcing the news received huge backlash. In the original tweet, Addison posted photos of herself in front of a UFC red carpet banner and said, I studied broadcast journalism in college for three whole months to prepare for this moment. The caption is a reference to her time spent as a sports journalism student at Louisiana State University. It wasn't long before she was called out for the tweet. Users called the post obnoxious and, quote, tone deaf. One said it was disrespectful to all the people who go to college and work their asses off for jobs like this and sometimes don't even get them. The next day, Addison, quote, tweeted her original post saying, never mind, y'all got me fired.
0: You know, so I feel like there's split reactions here because some people are like, hey, why'd you make her lose her job? She didn't do anything that horrible, which true. But I think the point that a lot of people are trying to make is that she got this job from privilege. Yes. And so what she posted, it's just kind of those things where it's like, OK, if you're going to post that, maybe just save it for your close friends on Instagram. Right. Maybe like don't tweet it publicly. You know, I guess it's just about like, you know, having I guess what people are saying is like having some class in the situation. I don't know. <laughs>
3: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, she's not the first person, she won't be the last person to ever get a job because of privilege or her platform or status or anything like that. But it is, for me, it was the tweet itself. Like, you really do have people who, like myself, went to college for four years, worked hard, like spent money to get certain jobs. And she's just walking around advertising the fact that she didn't do this at all. So like you said, keep that for the close friend story, if at all. Let's just reel it in (laughs) a little bit. (laughs)
0: You know, moving on, in other news that is just truly upsetting, um, there's been a lot of racist abuse against some of England's national soccer team after the final game yesterday, with even like Prince William having to go up and be like, hey, don't be racist. You know, after England lost the Euro 2020 game, many soccer fans started taking out their anger on Bukio Saka, Marcus Rashford, and Jaden Sancho, who missed penalty shots. All three players have been subjected to racist attacks online, which has brought up many conversations about racism in soccer and the way social media sites handle users' abusive behavior. And you know, Shyla, I do not have to even make a guess about this. I know you did not watch that soccer game.
3: Yep. Yep. The closest I get to soccer these days is Ted Lasso.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Relatable. (laughs) This is just absolutely disgusting, the reaction they received from their own country. You know, these men went to play a game, they got into the finals, which England has not been in a final of a tournament since like the 60s, I believe. This is like an actual very big deal. And these three men are receiving racist abuse from fans. And it's just truly disgusting because I just really feel like the coach, the team should have prepared for this after putting these men in that position. Knowing the history of racism in soccer, I just think it's horrible.
3: Yeah. I mean, I feel like, again, I didn't watch, but A, it's, it's, a, it's a game. And I'm not going to trivialize it because, you know, it's, it's a big deal, but losses happen. And I feel like, you know, that's already going to be hard enough. The whole world is watching. They know that in some degree, they're partly responsible. They don't, need the added weight of the entire country being racist against them. That's just that's unacceptable. Like if you're going to criticize someone, okay, maybe for the sports. But like you said, the coaches should have been prepared and Mm -hmm. should have known that this was going to be possible and protected them in some way. I feel so sorry for these men. That's that's a lot to take on.
0: I honestly just think about what if they had won? okay, their fans might have been happy and supportive until when? Right. Until they don't make that next shot. And that's not the type of system or fans you want. Oh, gosh. Well,
3: I hope that they're doing okay. That's that's a tough loss um, regardless. And you don't need that extra racism just weighing on your shoulders. Okay, so I want to pivot a little bit and talk about money and relationships The two don't really always go hand in hand. (laughs) So though there's no official handbook on how to manage money as a couple, BuzzFeed contributor Evie Carrick has been able to figure out a few things after seven years of marriage. You know,
0: and while the system works great for them and might not be for everyone, Evie found that not sharing money with her husband may be the ultimate key to making their relationship work. She wrote all about it for BuzzFeed and she joins us now. Hi, Evie. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Of course. So, you know, you've been married to your husband for several years and you've been keeping your finances separate the whole time. How did you originally go about that decision? You know, was it planned out or did it happen more organically?
2: It was pretty organic. To be honest, it was almost like a factor, like not doing anything because we had been dating for a long time before we got married And we had been living together before we got married. And so we had like this whole kind of system in place. Like most couples who are dating, we had separate accounts, separate credit cards. And then we would take turns buying dinners out and paying for groceries and that kind of thing. And so when we got married, it was like, well, this has been working well. So why change everything? Like why... Uh, merge accounts and cancel different credit cards and open new credit cards. And so what we did is kind of the path of the least resistance. We just opened a, what we call a team credit card, (laughs) but basically the team being just the two of us, but it's like a credit card where we can both put things that we do together or mutual finances, you know, our expenses go on that card. So like dinner is out buying gas for the car, repairs for the car, if we're going to buy like furniture for the house, anything like that. Mm. How
0: important do you think it was locking in that plan from the get-go for you both?
2: I mean, I think it was important to have that conversation right off the bat. It made it a lot simpler. And it was also something that, I don't know, it was like really apparent to me that we needed to do that from the get-go. Why so? so? We have like a little, I mean, we... I do see couples who deal with finances pretty similarly, but we're very, very different in that like he's like very free and easy with his money and unworried about it i'm kind of scrooge like like i love saving money and it's like stresses me out if i don't have like x number of dollars in my savings account and i don't have a good amount of money in my ira and that sort of thing whereas he's like very like live in the moment and we I mean, maybe we don't spend so differently than each other but like he'll you know, go out and get a coffee and a muffin like three times a week, which I'm like, that's insane because that's, <laughs> you know, $7 every time. Like, why would you do that? And then I, you know, I'm more of like, uh, like I won't spend any money and then I'll binge and like buy like a ton of clothes or something like that. So we just deal with money differently. And it was like really apparent in the way that we were saving and spending money. It was like, we can't this is going to be an issue for us. Mm. So it was very, something like that was super apparent, I think to both of us, even though it was my initiative to like push for it. But I mean, it's like crazy how seamlessly it's worked for us. It's been, I don't know. It's not even, it's just not an issue. like taken off the table.
3: But that's so interesting because I feel like one of the most common things married couples argue over is money. So I'm wondering, like, do you think if more people opted to, you know, like a separate church and state, so to speak, it could offset a lot of the
2: drama that comes with a relationship? Definitely. I mean, for us, it's just like, it's just not doesn't factor in, you know, I mean, I, I know that money should be this big issue for everyone, but it's like, as long as we both have enough money to pay our rent, pay off that team card and our personal credit cards. It's like, no, there's no problems. And it has happened before where like, for both of us we're like, like, I remember when I first got out of college and I was like, couldn't find a job and I had a really hard time getting my first job. And it was like, he helped me out and then I paid him back. And so there is like this like level of support or like not too long ago, he was like, I'm going to just have to pay the minimum on my credit card or not pay it this month. And I'm like, no way. Like I'll cover you. And then when like he gets caught up and back on track, then he pays me back. So there is this like, there, it's not like as cold and heartless as it sounds, but it's because there is this like give and take that we do, but it's like always very fair. Like, you know, I have like all these, like I'll have like a reminder in my phone of like what's owed to who and you know, that sort of thing.
3: But, you know, you also mentioned that this actually helps, you know, keep the romance alive. So I'm very curious about that. Can you tell me
2: a little <laughs> bit more? Yeah. I mean, like, it's, I don't know. I never understood that if you have everything joint and then it's like, oh, let me take you out to this fancy dinner. It's like, you know, intellectually that this is on your, this is half your money. Or if you are the breadwinner in the relationship or you make more money in the relationship, then it's literally... Mostly your money. And then so there's something like really like intimate and nice about being able to say like, I'm taking you out to dinner on my card, like my treat. Like, let me take care of you. Like, that's so special. And same with like gifts, like birthday presents and Christmas presents and that sort of thing. Mm -hmm.
0: So... I'm interested. How does how much each person makes factor in when making this decision? You know, for example, does starting on equal footing make it easier to keep things separate? You know, what's the ideal scenario for this formula?
2: I mean, I I think ideally, of course you're on equal footing, but I don't think that any relationship is really ever equal. Like it's always someone's making more money. Someone's making less. Someone has higher spending habits someone spends less. So to me, it's, I mean, it just feels like if you're a single person, you're responsible for taking care of yourself, right? So like, why, when you get married, are you supposed to say, here, let me give you like half of my paycheck? I don't know. To me, that just never made sense. And also just like from an equality standpoint, but also from like, you don't know what's going to happen in life standpoint. um, It always freaked me out because I mean, I'm maybe a little more pessimistic than most, but it's like, People split up all the time, relationships and people die, like horrible things happen. And it always freaked me out to feel like if I needed to leave this relationship, that that the money would be a factor and that I'd be attached to him in some way. Whereas like now it's like, I'm voluntarily in this relationship because I want to be not because I'm like, Ugh, I need that money or <laughs> I can't cover my own expenses or whatever it is.
3: So that kind of brings me to my next question. I mean, so you've got that, but then on the other hand, relationships are also about, you know, a partnership. So how much does, you know, the what's mine is yours factor in?
2: I mean, I think that that's kind of a little bit like lost on us, which I think really bothers people sometimes. Like, and that's like where it feels like a little cold and heartless, but it is like, this is my money. This is your money. Like you take care of you. I take care of me. I think the only area where it is a little bit like, more like a traditional relationship is in those aspects of helping each other out when we're in a crappy situation. Like we've actually both gotten laid off since, maybe not since we got married, but like since we were living together, both of us have gotten laid off once during that time. And of course you're like down and out. Um, and that's hard. And it's wonderful to have someone there to help you out where you're not like having to, you know, getting too sticky of a situation because the other person can help you out but it still remains like an equal thing where it's like all right you help me out I get back on my feet maybe in like six months or whatever and then start paying you back so it's like you know it's like an interest-free loan I guess to someone who loves you
0: (laughs) all right well we'll be right back we've got more with Evie Carrick on how learning to manage your money can help manage your relationship in the long run
1: I'm Jake Halpern, host of Deep Cover. Our new season is about a lawyer who helped the mob run Chicago. We controlled the courts. We controlled absolutely everything. He bribed judges and even helped a hitman walk free until one day when he started talking with the FBI and promised that he could take the mob down. I've spent the past year trying to figure out why he flipped and what he was really after from my perspective bob was too good to be true there's got to be something wrong with this
3: i wouldn't trust that guy he looks like a little scumbag liar stool pigeon he looked
1: like what he was a rat i can say with all certainty i think he's a hero because he didn't have to do what he did and he did it anyway the moment i put the wire on the first time my life was over if it ever got out they would kill me in a heartbeat Listen to Deep Cover on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: Hi, I'm Hillary Clinton, and I'm excited to be back with a new season of You and Me Both. You know, when we started this podcast, we were going through some tough times, and let's face it, we still are but I am a firm believer we're stronger together. So please join me for more conversations with people who will make you think, make you laugh, and help us find a path forward. Listen to you and me both on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back. We're talking with BuzzFeed contributor Evie Carrick about how to navigate sharing finances with your partner. So this is all sounding fair enough in theory, but in practice, how does this split break down when you consider all the ways we manage money today? The different accounts, money apps, debit cards, credit cards, etc. It's a lot to manage. What has worked for you both to like keep this all in order?
2: The real key is the team card, which I touched on a little bit earlier. That's like our Go to like everything that is relates to the two of us or our household or any of our possessions that we co-own. That's like the card that we use. And then everything else is separate. So like I have a separate credit card for myself. And then I have like my savings and my checking account and, you know, my IRA account and all of these other accounts that are all mine. And then this card is like really the only one that's there. I actually pay it off every month and send him a Venmo request for his half. And the same with rent. So like, um, she pays the rent and then sends me a Venmo request for my half.
3: So, you know, you guys have been married for a while now, but for anyone who's just about to dive into marriage and work out a money plan, what's the best piece of advice that you would relay? Like, is there anything you wish someone had told you?
2: I mean, I think like just really being like looking at yourself realistically. I mean, I think most people have been in a relationship for a while and they like are able to see their partner for all their amazingness and all of their faults and hopefully are able to see where their money, you know, their values around money vary and are different. And so my suggestion would just be to look at that pretty honestly. And if money has been an issue in your relationship, you know, even just as a, you know, just while dating, I think that looking at some alternative ways is definitely worth it. And for me, this way like made so much sense. And I know it's not going to always make sense for everybody and everyone's very different, but you know, it's definitely a very good option if you want to like have autonomy and equality in your relationship, like fully (laughs) financially, at least it really is a way to like find that in your partnership, especially if you're struggling with it.
0: So ultimately, do you think this is sustainable long-term? Like, will this continue to be your plan going forward as things inevitably change just, you know, in life?
2: Yeah, that's a great question because, I mean, we're like about to go under a giant change. Um, we're going to have a baby this fall. Oh, Congratulations. <laughs> Thanks guys. So we're I mean, we're super excited, but we're also like, I mean, we've had some serious conversations about like, okay, how does this work with our money plan? Because this has been working so well for us that neither of us want to throw in the towel and just, you know, combine everything. So yeah, it's gonna be put to the test. Our plan is right now, I think to kind of keep doing what we've been doing with some alterations. So I think the team card uh, is gonna get a lot more use. Mm. So we'll hopefully rack up some good miles with that card. But uh, it's gonna get a lot more use because we d- what we talked about is that anything, of course, with our family, so the three of us now is gonna be- go on that card. And we decide like, for example, if I take her out for breakfast, um, that can go on the team card. So it's like, she's gonna be this like common family denominator. <laughs> So it won't be like my personal expense to take her out for breakfast. It'll be like our quote unquote, well, our team, I guess we actually now have a yeah. team, the three, oh, <laughs> the three of us, the three of us card. And then uh, the other thing that we were talking about is a college fund. Like mm-hmm. we want to try to put aside something. I mean, I don't know if it'll be for college or what, but put aside some money for her just like a little bit every month. And so... We have like thrown a few numbers around like a monthly amount of money that we'll both just transfer into this account for her going forward. So that's kind of an additional expense that's going to be there. But yeah, I don't know. Which we'll, we'll see. Yeah, we're going to want to check in with you. Totally. Oh,
0: but an exciting adventure. Yes, I think so too. <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah. Thank you both. Thanks for having me.
3: That's it for today. Come back and join us tomorrow. And remember, please still wear a mask. Viruses are very much still out there. Oh, gosh. Be sure to subscribe to BuzzFeed Daily on the iHeartRadio
0: app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you go for your sound stories. And please take the time to leave us a rating and a review. It helps us figure out what you like about the show versus what you love about the show. And remember to come back for more of what you love about BuzzFeed, coming to you daily.
1: I'm Jake Halpern, host of Deep Cover. Our new season is about a lawyer who helped the mob run Chicago. He bribed judges and even helped a hitman walk free until one day when he started talking with the FBI and promised that he could take the mob down. I've spent the past year trying to figure out why he flipped and what he was really after. Listen to Deep Cover on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Open to all teams and players, the NFL's Inspire Change Initiative acknowledges the ways that systemic racism contributes to barriers to opportunity and equality and focuses on ongoing efforts on creating progress in the areas of education, economic advancement, community and police relations, and criminal justice reform. To learn more about the NFL's commitment to ensuring a more equal and just future, text NFLIC to 635635. It takes all of us to advance social justice.